0: I don't know if there's been a time when we've had more weightier, heavier, difficult, complex issues than this session. And so you're to be complimented for the diligence, the dedication, the hard work that you've exhibited on very tough issues.
1: Governor Gary Herbert says it wasn't always easy, but lawmakers got a lot done this session.
2: They even broke a new record for the number of bills passed.
1: Welcome back to 45 Days, KUER's weekly legislative recap. I'm Julia Ritchie. And I'm
2: Nicole Nixon, and we have officially adjourned. die. So let's start big picture here. Uh, lawmakers passed a record number of bills, 573. That's up from their previous record of 535 that they set two years ago.
1: And the... Budget was also a record-setting, nineteen billion dollars. About uh, mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty million for education. Um, some big hikes for air quality. Twenty-eight mm-hmm. million dollars this year for air quality. Uh, things like school counselors got thirty million, and also things like suicide prevention. So, uh, and we should mention the um, firefighters, public safety officials got a bit of a
2: increase for their retirement benefits, which they were very happy about. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a big fight that played out. Um, notably. $1.5 million will not go to the Orangey Hatch Center for Politics and Civility. <laughs> you want to describe what that was about? That yeah. Flap in the last our, day. Our longtime senator retired. He's building a, a center, sort of a library to hold a lot of his records um, and a replica of his office. The legislature had appropriated about $1.5 million, I think, to kick toward that. And people did not like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> even though it was a, a, technically a kind of a small earmark in the scope in of this, the yeah. the $19 billion budget that we passed, it... it signaled something that people didn't like. Uh, so we did a quick story on it. And by the next day, it was taken out. So yeah. that's that's impact journalism there, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the big bills, though, that, that passed this session. We started this year, with this huge protest on the Hill, seems like every year now starts with a huge protest. That seemed like it. Uh, but this one was over Medicaid, right? So just a few months before the legislature convened, they had held a special session to revise Proposition 2 for medical marijuana. Uh, a lot of people weren't happy about that. Uh, and then, of course, we come back to this session and we knew this was going to happen. But uh, Senator Alan Christensen dropped this bill in the first week that uh, would scale back Proposition Mm 3, which also passed last year, to expand Medicaid to low-income Utahns.
2: People really did not like this because it would cost more in the first few years to cover fewer people as the state seeks these uh, waivers from the federal government. Uh, Republicans shoved this through in two weeks. It was a pretty heavy lift, but Mm -hmm. they got it done, facing a lot of public resistance. Um, And their argument is that it is fiscally more prudent in the long run. So.
1: I, and it, I think, it just uh, brings up the the tension that we've been seeing over uh, ballot initiatives mm-hmm. since last year was the first year we had a, a lot of them. Uh, proposition four, they didn't tinker with yet, but we we predict they will.
2: We know they're talking about it. Yeah, and we know that some some lawmakers are concerned with it, and they have a little more time before that one would actually not take effect, but, you know, we we start to see it get up and running, that, that independent redistricting commission. And so
1: these weren't the only changes to the ballot initiative process, either. Uh, they passed about three bills th- uh, this session that would make it a little harder to get uh, an initiative mm-hmm. on the and ballot. And it's already
2: really hard, I think, to get <laughs> an yeah. initiative on the ballot in Utah. It costs... Millions of dollars. You need a lot of signatures. It's a pretty heavy lift already. So So. voters will
1: react how they will to that Mm -hmm. change, but uh, essentially... going forward, ballot initiatives won't be implemented until uh, after the legislature convenes. That was a bill run by Representative Brad Daw, who's no friend of the ballot Mm -hmm. initiative process, uh, which means that lawmakers are going to continue to um, do what they want, basically, basically, when it comes to writing laws and revising them, which is their constitutional right. So let's pivot to hate crimes. This was a huge deal, actually. This is something Governor Herber is very Happy that passed Mm -hmm. this session. I think a lot of people are. Uh, You were up here when they first started talking about this. Yeah, I
2: think that was four or five years ago. Uh, In 2016 is the first year I remember it being a a big deal. Um, And I think it got some movement in the Senate. um, And then the LDS church, I think back then, indicated that it wasn't the best time for a a bill like this. Um, And the Republican sponsor at that time. Senator Steve Urquhart was really upset about that. And then this bill came up, but got no hearings for two years, three years. And it passed both chambers this year in the final week of the session. Uh, Really big victory for, I think, conservatives declared victory on this and and Democrats who've been pushing for this for a long time. And uh, Governor Herbert said he'd sign it. One of the interesting
1: things about the hate crimes bill this year is in order to gain this you know, huge majority to pass the, the in the house, in the house at least. They had to add a ton of classifications to the yeah. bill. So, we always knew race, ethnicity, and sexual orientation would be covered, but then they added things like
2: age, uh, what was the another? school affiliation, yeah, uh, status as a veteran or a first responder. These were added. Early on in the process to get more support in the Senate. Um, And at the very end, Representative
1: Norm Thurston added in political expression, which really rubbed Democrats the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that we live in a politically divisive time and uh, that no one should be targeted based on uh, their political beliefs. Uh, but some Democrats said, you know, he's just trying to protect Trump supporters mm-hmm. and this uh, this sort of conservative victim complex that we're uh, hearing about in conservative media outlets like Ben Shapiro talking about campus free speech and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a clean win, I would say, for LGBT groups who yeah. would have liked to have seen it pass without adding in like a million other things. But at the end of the day, this is, a you know, a Republican-led legislature. hmm
2: and I know the sponsor, Senator uh, Daniel Thatcher, tweeted about that and the addition of political expression at the end. And he said, you know, I'm calling a win a win. Yeah. Uh,
1: we saw a lot of social message bills.
2: We did. Or We've talked about Political messaging of
1: them. bills um, just quickly. Uh, two abortion bills passed this session. One restricting abortions uh, on fetuses diagnosed with Down syndrome. The other one would bar uh, abortions after 18 weeks of pregnancy. The first bill, the Down Syndrome bill, won't go into effect until a court rules on it. It's but, definitely a message bill. Yeah, and the second one, however, will likely be challenged in court immediately mm-hmm. by the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, who tweeted out that they plan to challenge it if, if Governor Herbert signs it. He seems like he will. Um, so this could be a costly legal battle going forward. We mentioned on a previous episode already that that they had tried this in the 90s and it got overturned, but now that the Supreme Court has shifted to to the right, um, under Trump's appointees, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's uncertain what will happen with Roe v. Wade. And I think Utah wants to jump on the bandwagon of challenging that law and perhaps even toppling it eventually. Yeah,
2: they've even said that as other states like New York and Virginia, I think we've talked about this move you know, to expand access Mm -hmm. to abortion, that why can't Utah move in the opposite direction, especially when they feel like they have some backup from the Supreme Court now. Yeah. Uh, Mixed messages on guns. Yes. Go. (laughs) So there were a lot of gun bills. A ton. Uh, uh, After the Parkland shooting last year, we talked about this as well. Um, Democrats unveiled a lot of bills immediately after the 2018 session and said that they were going to make gun safety a priority but not a lot of these bills got hearings and i think the ones that made it through actually went the opposite way that democrats wanted there was a bill to double down on the state's um stand your ground law that that makes it clear that if you feel threatened you do not have a duty to retreat right that that was a, a kind of a one of those ones that kind of Mm -hmm. Didn't
1: pass last year, but came back this year. Yep, And Representative Corey Malloy has become the the pro-gun guy who runs those bills on the Hill. Uh, And his bills seem to get more traction than any Mm -hmm. other gun reform bills on the Democratic side. He
2: also had this. There were two sort of competing uh, red flag bills. Uh, Corey Malloy had the one that passed that was sort of watered down. So we talked about Steve Handy's red flag bill that came out immediately after the the high school shooting last year. Um, That never got a hearing. Corey Malloy's did. And and the differences um, in Steve Handy's bill, it it would have allowed law enforcement to get a warrant to confiscate weapons from people who they thought would pose a threat. Corey Malloy's bill... um, is, only applies to people in, in a shared household who have a shared ownership in a firearm. Um, Shifting who-
1: the responsibility from law enforcement to a family member, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that was uh, sort of the whole point was to undercut Handy's bill and sort of subvert uh, actually implementing a red flag Mm -hmm. law, which have gained traction since the Parkland, Florida shooting. There were also some McCluskey um, bills, I should say, Lauren McCluskey, the University of Utah athlete who was shot and killed last year. A few bills that dealt with that case uh, and the most high profile one was Lauren's law. Tell us about
2: that. So in Lauren McCluskey's case, uh, she was killed by a man she had briefly dated who was a felon, and she didn't know that. He got a gun from somebody and used it to kill her, and he he shouldn't have had access to a weapon. So this bill, uh, dubbed Lauren's Law by Representative Andrew Stoddard, would have imposed a strict civil liability on whoever had provided that firearm to the person that uses it then in a felony. And there were a lot of concerns from Republicans um, about the strict liability and and the idea that maybe somebody's gun is taken, even though the bill provided exceptions for theft and things like that, the idea that somebody could have their gun taken without their knowledge and used in a crime and then they could be punished for it was made a lot of Republicans really uncomfortable. So even after a few hearings in two different committees, this bill didn't get enough support to make it through. But he says he's going to try and work on it over the interim. Well, speaking of things that did
1: not get through, tax reform was the number one priority mm-hmm. of both Governor Gary Herbert and the Republican leadership. Yet, with two weeks to go, they pulled the plug on it. So why did tax reform fizzle the way it did when it was really was their number yeah. one thing they wanted to I get done? I think they
2: waited too long to drop a bill. With, and with two weeks left in the session, and I know it started in the House, It got a hearing in the House and this coordinated effort resistance against this bill from industries across the state was mounted this really strong defense against this bill they did not want these new taxes on on their on their industry, on their services. Um, and with only two weeks left in the session, there were, uh, it sounded like they were having a bit of trouble whipping the votes for it. There I was know- some
1: conflict between the House and the Senate, yeah. which is under new leadership. So they weren't really getting along mm-hmm. or they weren't communicating yeah. well, is a no. more tactful way of putting it. Yeah. That.
2: And the Senate leadership said that they really wanted uh, the it, they wanted it to go through the full process. They wanted a House hearing. They got it. They wanted a Senate hearing. It was The time was starting to run out on it.
1: So what they ended up doing basically is reserving a lot of the billion-dollar surplus that we talked a lot about mm-hmm. earlier um, this session. Uh, they ended up holding back that because they want to come back this summer and deal with tax reform and mm-hmm. potentially uh, – give a tax cut to Utah's, although again that that amount is uncertain even though they had promised 225 million <laughs> now we're like i don't know how much maybe 75 million maybe <laughs> yeah um, so
2: they did create a tax reform task force woo! which i'm going to start calling the tax force tax force of i think 10, 10 lot 5 lawmakers from each chamber yeah to work on tax reform for a few months. Woo! Fun time. Um,
1: <laughs> I think, in general, though, uh, tax reform is something that's hard for the public to understand, especially when they see a really positive economy, um, even though there is this structural imbalance where our general fund is being funded by a sales tax. Your average Utah does not no, know that. No, yeah, exactly. We know that because we could go the legislature a few Yeah, we could go into or... it and bore you to death, but like, that's what they're going to have to overcome, is mm-hmm. this sort of skepticism that... Uh, Creating new taxes uh, will alleviate a problem that not a lot of people are aware of, at least right now. Uh, but they have a few months now to, to work on that.
2: Some more bills that died this session. Um, we talked about the conversion therapy ban a little bit. It sounds like there is going to be a, a push to bring that back next year and maybe push a little harder and fight the conservative Republicans who are a little uncomfortable with this bill. Um Another bill that died on the final night on the Senate calendar was this ban on straight ticket voting, which is something that Representative Patrice Arendt, a Democrat, has pushed for a long time. She finally got some traction on it um, after this blue wave in Salt Lake County in in the November election. It looked like that one was going to pass, but unfortunately, time ran out for that one.
1: Oh, and we need to pour one out. Uh, from our 4.0 beer that will be—we <laughs> didn't even mention the beer bill yet, oh, yeah. but um, it's 4.0 now. Yeah, we're raising the cap from 3.2 to 4.0. Um,
2: we thought we thought it—the 4.8 looked like it was going to be in trouble, but they did come to a, a compromise in the last week and. Put it right in the middle at 4.0. The beer lobbyist, Kate Bradshaw, who we talked to a few weeks ago, said she felt OK because the glass is half full.
1: Right. Well, the glass is half empty for a state flag commission. Uh, that was something that got I a it's lot all of, the way. empty. Yeah. Yeah, I think people uh, were really excited about maybe potentially overhauling our state flag, which some have called a seal on a bedsheet. Uh, but that didn't that died on the calendar last mm-hmm. night. It just didn't come up for discussion, which just happens sometimes, right? The last
2: thing the Senate did pass, though, is to get a new state reptile, the Gila Monster. This is one of those bills that we see every year, it seems like, brought up by a cute class of 7th graders seventh graders asking for a, a, a new state symbol. So they got the Gila Monster.
1: And we know we are not getting to everything, but we should plug a gigantic write-up we did uh, on... What happened? So, if you Ever. go to our website at kuer dot org, you can read about a lot more uh, bills that passed and a lot more issues that came up on the final night of the session.
2: We were also on Radio West on Friday to recap the session uh, with Salt Lake Tribune columnist Robert Gerke. All in all. In a word, to sum the session, uh, he called it an incomplete session, which I think was a good way to put it. They didn't get to everything. They passed a record number of bills, but they did not get to their top priorities. Right. Or so at least I, their top We priority. could call it
1: the to-be-continued
0: session. Yeah. So,
1: to the interim. Yes, to the interim. Uh, speaking of interims, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we talked with Governor Gary Herbert about his thoughts on how the session went. Stay with us. <laughs> KUER's mobile app gives you everything you love about our station on the go. Stream KUER live on your phone. Listen to NPR and local stories on demand. Then shift gears and listen to our 24-7 classical music station or explore podcasts like Radio West and 45 Days. It's all on the KUER app. Download it for free for Android or iOS wherever you get your apps. Governor Herbert, welcome back to 45 Days on literal day 45.
0: Well, it's great to be here, and I hope there's not a day 46. <laughs> so.
2: Us too. So with some 500 bills passed this session, what do you think was the most important issue the legislature passed this year so that does not include tax reform?
0: Well, you said this year. Yes. So I was going to say tax reform <laughs> I think is going to pass this year. Yeah. It's not in this session. Right. It'll probably be in a special session this summer. But the, the fixing the Medicaid issue, uh, I think was very important. It took uh, the first couple of weeks to get that done, and in and, and a 45-day session, that's really limited what we had time to do on other issues. But Medicaid expansion, which uh, f- effective April 1st, that's gonna happen. It's gonna cover people from zero to 138% of poverty. That's gonna happen. We're gonna put about 70,000 people who were not covered before are now gonna be covered. So I think that's probably the most important thing that's passed so far in the legislature. Second probably is hate crimes, which is kind of historical. Everybody seems to believe this is a kind of a watershed uh, time where we, in fact, are, are going to protect certain classes of people from uh, hate crimes and have amplified pun- penalties if, you, in fact, you do, if you attack a class of people. So that's going to be, I think, an historical event that's going to uh, be remembered in this year's legislative session.
1: It seemed like during the 2018 session, there was some conflict between the legislature and the executive branch, right? We had things like calling themselves into special session. This year, it seems like there was a little more tension between lawmakers and their voters. And and I'm glad you mentioned Medicaid. Do you feel that there's some distance between what the legislature enacts and what voters have signaled to them directly? Because that has been one of the major conflicts of this session,
0: Well, the ups and downs, the flows of the marketplace probably are represented by the legislature. And so sometimes there's a lag time. You know, we didn't realize it was critical mass. And uh, sometimes if the legislature is not paying attention, and with new elections and turnover, that sometimes you can lose some continuity there. These initiatives that were passed this year certainly were an indication that, hey, we're ready. We need to have you act on this, and we don't want you to, to punt the football again. So there's uh, some, uh, I think, out of touch in that regard. But generally speaking, when you think about the 500 bills we pass, when you're talking about just two or three different issues out there, that the legislature is a representing form of government, really are in tune with the people that they represent. So I feel very good about uh, that. I think we've had a great uh, relationship this year from the executive branch with the House and the Senate and uh, sometimes there's turmoil and healthy tension between us and them and between the House and the Senate. So that's just part of politics. It's the give and take of what's politically possible.
2: So a conversion therapy ban was something that you signaled your support for pretty strongly, um, but it kind of went off the rails with this substitute from Representative Lizenby. What really happened with the conversion therapy bill, and could you or would you have done anything differently to salvage that?
0: Well, we didn't have a chance. That's the unfortunate part. Is that we had people that, you know, got emotional about it and somewhat unreasonable. And whether there's a good faith attempt to find a solution here for conversion therapy and to see if we can't help our LGBTQ youth, uh, particularly came out of my suicide task force. So there's a good faith effort being made, and we were actually pretty close to having a solution. And. Uh, you know, I never got a call, never had anybody talk to me about it. So it's unfortunate. I feel bad. But I don't want to look at the past. I want to look at the future because I'm committed, as I think all people are, to let's find a solution. I feel bad that it's not going to happen this session. It could have if we'd had maybe a little calmer approach. But there's probably, you know, poor communication, uh, blame for everybody that goes around. But I've talked to the sponsor of the bill. We're committed to make sure we roll up our sleeves and stay at it and we'll find a solution that's mutually acceptable by our next legislative session.
1: Another socially controversial issue, abortion. There are two bills this year to restrict abortions. Will you be signing both of those bills?
0: Haven't determined that yet, but my bias is I'm pro-life, and certainly the viability aspect is something that needs to be discussed, and clearly with science and its advancements since 1973, viability is probably shorter today than what it was then. Um, I have a hard time with abortion uh, when you feel a, hear a heartbeat after six weeks. you know It's more than just a piece of tissue. It's a forming human being, and so I have a bias in that direction. So uh, I've said before, some fights are worth having. See if we can, in fact, we uh, certainly want to make sure that people know that we stand for life. Well, everybody should stand for life, whether it's the unborn child or after they're born, we need to take care of them too. So it's not a one thing and and we're done. It's a comprehensive approach to making sure that people have an opportunity to be the best they can be and and government has a role to protect those civil rights.
1: A quick follow-up to that, though, on these socially divisive issues, whether it's abortion or even something like alcohol policy, I wonder if you ever um, get concerned about Uh, when you're trying to court businesses from out of state. So like right now, Utah is making a a concerted effort to draw tech businesses to come to the state. Do you worry at all that the values that Utah is legislating might deter uh, with outsiders who might want to do business with the state?
0: You know, I I don't think of it in that context. I think of doing the right thing, uh, having the right principles and right values, giving us the right policies, and let the chips fall where they may. Um, Utah is doing very well, by the way, with that approach. Uh, we are the fastest growing economy in the nation today. We have the largest increase in tourism and travel in the nation today. We see nothing but positive results happening. And a lot of people come to Utah and say, you know what, I like the fact that you're kind of traditional, you're family oriented, you have good principles and values that maybe some parts of the country and the world are, uh, are kind of uh, avoiding and getting away from. So maybe Utah is not for everybody. But we certainly have a fast growth of people say, I want to live there. I have people come up to me all the time and say to me, I moved to Utah for one reason. It's the best place to raise your children. So, again, we ought to just do the right thing for the right reasons in the right way and have good policy in place. And whatever happens, happens.
2: Uh, So tax reform was your top priority this session, um, but it just didn't materialize. The bill came out two weeks before the end of the session. Um, Was taxing services too foreign of a concept for most people? And how are you going to convince the public that new taxes will be necessary in order to stabilize the general fund when what most people see is low unemployment and a billion-dollar surplus?
0: Well, the toughest thing in life uh, is... The ability to communicate accurately for people to hear and understand That's what true. we're saying. That's so <laughs>
1: We can speak. You, you speak can understand to that, that yeah. probably as well as anybody.
0: So, we clearly can improve our communications and understanding of the issue. Most people don't understand the issue. It's complex. It's not an easy thing to do. Most people do understand the need to have a broadening of the tax base. I have not had anybody that has not said, oh, yeah, we, we understand broaden the base and we need to have some tax reform. We just didn't think we were going to be part of the base. And and you know tax everybody else, but don't tax us. And so that's just kind of the self-interest aspect that comes out. Uh, we want to broaden the base and, re- and reduce the rate so that your overall tax liability actually goes down and the economy is paying its fair share. That being said, uh, that we need to do a better job of explaining why there's a problem. It's not the fact that we have a surplus. It's the fact where our revenue stream is going to shift, and we won't have a surplus in the future. This is not just for today. This is for the next two to five years, where we could really hit a fiscal cliff. So, what should be the tax policy that's fair across the board, more equitable for everybody involved? And that needs to uh, means that our old archaic tax policy now is in need of reform, modernization. So Michelle
2: Quist, a Salt Lake Tribune columnist and a Republican, wrote this week that the failure to get tax reform through and fights over the budget might have been alleviated if there had been more women at the table. Do you agree? And does Utah value women enough?
0: Well, uh, there's, you, you cannot overvalue women. I mean, uh, I'm married to a woman. I've got three daughters. Uh, so my cabinet is made up of about 40 percent female. Uh, so I don't know what Michelle's issue is out there talking about around the table. Uh, you want to have uh, good, smart people, and I don't care what their gender is.
1: So you asked for a hundred million dollars in air quality spending. It looks like they're it'll get closer to about twenty-five million, is what I've heard at last count. Is that good enough for you?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be closer to probably twenty-eight million, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. You know, we hoped we we had a moonshot. And uh, we didn't get to the moon, but we're going in the right direction. And I think the trend, because I think we'll build upon this as we go forward, our goal is to reduce pollution by 25% by 2025. Uh, we're on track to do that, by the way. So, again, it's not as much as I hoped for, but you know, with the adjustments on the budget that's taking place, it's a, it's a good down payment.
1: You, this was a new leadership this year um you mentioned a little earlier that there was some conflict did you do you think that the House and Senate um, came together this year like do you think they worked well together I mean we saw some real budget I don't know what to call it but it was something <laughs> earlier this week uh, that that seemed like there was some real issues behind the scenes I don't know if you're privy to any of that but If you would let us know (laughs) what went on. I'm
0: aware that there's been some hard discussions that are taking place, and that's in order to balance a $19 billion budget and prioritize correctly and also do Medicaid and all the other issues, hate crimes. I mean, there's been some heavy lifting. And then have tax reform, too, is a lot to do. And, again, these are not simple issues. These are not yes and no. This is complexity beyond what we've had in the past. We have over 20 new legislators. This is their first round and uh, so they're just learning new legislative leadership which is learning how to herd the cats you know so it it makes a a challenging time so I'm sure there's been some uh, difference of opinion on how we get there the ups and downs of the debate is just part of the uh, political process
1: and as part of that just my last question is you're not running again um, after this is your second to last session so is is there anything besides tax reform that you would absolutely love to see happen next year during your last session?
0: Well, I hope we have rainbows and, and great <laughs> weather and everybody's nice to each other.
1: Yeah. Uh, we talk
0: about the hate crimes. I want to pass a piece of legislation that says we have to love each other. We have to care about each other. We have to take care. We have to be nice to each other. And we ought to show respect and civility. Now, if we can get that passed, you think it's going to make things better? I hope so. <laughs> but that's the way we ought to have the attitude. You know, what can we do to work together in a spirit of collaboration, cooperation, in spite of some of our different uh, views on politics, religion? uh, I just hope that we can come together as a state, continue to be an example of this country as the best-run state in America.
2: Governor Herbert, thank you so much for your time. Thank
0: you. Great to be with you.
2: We
1: also asked the governor about that state flag bill, FYI, which uh, is not happening. So no surprise, he stands for the old flag.
0: I have uh, grew up with the state flag. I like the state flag. I think it has a lot of symbolism, the beehives there. It talks about when the pioneers came into the valley and when we became a state. Got the, the eagle there, and it's very patriotic. So I don't have a real problem with it.
2: So during the final week of the session, things always kind of get a little silly. The House Democrats make a bingo card and distribute that, which is always fun. Um, and there was a serious case of the sillies going on during the House.
1: I feel like because of tax
2: reform, everyone was ready to
1: blow off some steam. <laughs> uh, or in the case of Representative Sue Duckworth, blow off a train whistle. My question to the sponsor is, do you know what the train Whistle code is for breaks, and proceed.
2: Uh, Unknown to me, Mr. Speaker. I don't know that.
1: Mr. Speaker, if I might, may I share that with the body?
0: (laughs) Of course, Representative Duckworth. (laughs) oh, Once once was enough, but thank you. (laughs) Well, fortunately, seeing no more lights, Representative Handy, back to you for summation on your motion.
2: Let's, let's, uh, let's choo-choo this up. <laughs> for context, that was for a resolution on upgrading freight switchers to use cleaner technology. But every time a railroad bill came up in the last few days, she took the opportunity to blow that train whistle. Because why not?
1: There were a surprising number of railroad bills this year, too, <laughs> I might add, because of the anniversary of the uh-huh. Golden Spike oh, coming up. Oh, yeah. Then there was Representative Mike Winder uh, breaking into song for no reason.
0: Provide a notice of the meeting title diversion, a property tax for community reinvestment. Oh, your microphone turned off, Representative <laughs> Winder. The system's really glitchy.
2: Mike Winder spontaneously erupting into song. That should be a bingo space. That would have to be a free space, it's though. True. It, it happens true. Too much. Too much. <laughs> and then there was Representative Melissa Ballard, who actually got in a dig against the UK Parliament and the Utah Senate, all while speaking in a pretty good British accent.
1: Motion to concur, would you like to speak to that?
2: I would actually. I realized after hearing the from the good representative for Magna the good representative from West Valley and the good representative from West Jordan. How fortunate we are to actually not be in the House of Commons, where they have so much bantering and silliness. And then I was reminded by this amendment that the Senate had to just add a simple date that they really think they are the House of Lords. And with that, I hope you will concur.
1: Fun fact about Representative Ballard, she's actually an Anglophile, and when she was young, she met uh, former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. That is awesome.
2: <laughs> so the Senate had some fun, too, but not as much fun as the House. So when that controversial 4.0 beer bill came up, someone started playing that seminal country classic Beer for My Horses by Toby Keith, and no one could figure out where the music was coming from.
0: Whiskey for does that conclude your presentation? <laughs> Close. We got too many gangsters doing dirty dean. Too much corruption. You know, uh, beer must go with the ribbing, because I've had a lot over this during this session. <laughs>
2: Is it time for our session superlatives yet?
1: Yes. So we thought it would be a fun way to end this season uh, giving out some superlatives to legislators and other people up at the Capitol who stood out this year
2: for all the wrong reasons and right (laughs) reasons. So first up, least shy of his feelings this session. That one goes to Senator Jake Anderegg from Lehigh. I created this montage of him earlier this week.
1: Oh, I really hate this bill. (laughs) So I hate this bill because it goes to 138%. So where do we go from here? I hate this bill. So I'm fighting that by voting for a bill I think stinks. I hate it. I'm stuck. I hate this bill because... But I really hate, I just hate that we're giving law enforcement another thing that they can pull us over for and give us a ticket for. It just drives me nuts. I don't know if I'm gonna vote for this, but I I just hate this bill, thanks. So uh, to that end, uh, Mr. President, I hate this bill. That did really well on Twitter.
2: (laughs) So the second superlative is for most likely to be the next poet laureate of the United States, and we obviously gave that one to Representative Scott Chu.
0: That um, like the hoot of an owl, it doesn't echo and the flight of a bumblebee that nobody can explain why it can fly cuz aerodynamically it's not supposed to the metal arc has a um, a voice that that the doppler effect doesn't have any any um, any effect on
2: do you think president trump even has a poet laureate I have no idea, but I do know he definitely did not keep President Obama's Poet Laureate. Well, he doesn't need a Poet Laureate because he has all the best words. <laughs> That's True. <laughs> true. So next we have the most likely to start a second career at Universal Studios' Harry Potter World theme park in Orlando, Florida. That award goes to none other than House Speaker Brad Wilson.
0: Before I go to Representative Gibson, I want to announce one thing Representative Pulsifer didn't mention is that uh, today is Harry Potter Day at the Capitol. And, uh, I have a confession to make, uh, Harry Potter's Patronus was a stag. It's pretty cool. I don't know what yours is representative Hawkins. Mine is a ladybug and I have my ladybug socks on today. And that's just, you should all know that because i I feel like I've got C representative strong has got his Harry Potter tie on. And, uh, so both of us are feeling a lot of wizardly power today. So I just thought you should know that.
1: What is your Patronus? A shark. Yeah. I took that quiz on Pottermore. And I was so <laughs> stuck
2: that it was a shark
1: because that's pretty cool. I ho- Mine would probably be like a beagle.
2: <laughs> I can see it.
1: Yeah. All right. Next superlative most likely to win captain of her debate team.
2: This one had to go to freshman representative Jen Daly Provo, who had some of the sharpest cross questioning this session,
1: including this exchange with representative Brad Da over his bill to delay the implementation dates of ballot initiatives. So Representative, I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a rhetorical question. Go for it. Can you think of any situations where the legislature has passed bills where we've had to go back and fix things?
0: Oh, many times.
1: Okay, so there's a good precedent that that's just what we do, and that um, in order to perhaps maintain the voice of the people, that we just get on board with fixing things as we need to. Well, I
0: would say this. That-
1: Our last superlative is most tenacious reporter of the session. Someone you don't always notice, but she is literally always there, lurking in the background on the floor of the House and asking lawmakers some of the toughest questions.
2: Yeah. Lisa Riley Roche of the Deseret News is a veteran of Utah political reporting and one of our journalism role models.
1: Especially this session with her sharp questioning of Republican leadership about that controversial overhaul to Medicaid expansion. As an example, I caught House Majority Leader Francis Gibson getting really snippy with Lisa in this reporter scrum that we had earlier this year uh, which you can kind of hear in this tape
0: I mean, in the end, Lisa, Is it the internal
1: politics that you're more worried about in our caucus or are you worried about us getting to a plan that covers everyone we can afford? That's what we're getting The internal pol- politics of our caucus is irregardless to you as long as we can cover what we're, what we're professing to cover and that's the plan we have in place Well it's not a question of what's uh, what I think is a question of what Utahns
0: think
2: You get the idea. Lisa never gives up and she's always asking the same hard questions over and over even when people in the room are tired of it. We love you Lisa. We do love you Lisa. Never stop being you.
1: What about superlative for most likely to take a giant nap lasting the entire weekend? That goes to me. (laughs) It could be me too. (laughs)
2: Or most likely to eat a lot of ice cream on the couch and binge watch the new season of Queer Eyes. Aw, yes, Queen. Can I join you? Of course. It's a date. 45 Days is a
1: production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. If you liked our show this season, please do us a favor and go to iTunes and rate our show or leave us a review.
2: Yes, we love, love, love getting your feedback. And we will be back throughout the year for more legislative check ins. You can follow all of that coverage and more by visiting our website at KUER.org. And you can always find us on social media too. On Twitter, I'm at Julia Richardson. And I am at underscore Nixo.
1: Big thank you for listening. The show has brought me nothing but joy.
2: Until we meet again in the interim.